cat and dog people. This is It's Training Cats and Dogs, your source of practical strategies to keep everyone in your multi-species household safe and sane. In last week's episode, Olivia brought up the importance of enrichment for the behavioral health of their cats, both for each individual animal, but also the impact it has on their relationship with each other. So today, I'm going to go deeper into the concept of enrichment, what it is, why it's important, how to decide what enrichment activities to provide for your animals, and how to assess whether they're effective. In the next two episodes, I'll take you through designing enrichment for two hypothetical cases, which will hopefully help you understand how to put these concepts into action. So let's get into it. First, what is enrichment? The term enrichment is a bit of shorthand for designing an enriching environment or providing enriching activities, where an animal is given the opportunity to behave the way they would in the wild, also known as species-specific behaviors or species-typical behaviors. So enrichment for a zebra in a zoo would be the keepers housing the zebra in an environment and providing them with stuff to interact with that will encourage the zebra to do lots of wild zebra things. Enrichment for any captive animal, whether they live in a zoo or in our homes, is essential to their welfare and greatly affects their behavior towards your home and any other beings who live there, like you or your other pets, which is why I'm dedicating a whole month's worth of podcast episodes to it. I think the best way to illustrate the importance of living in a species-specific enriched environment is to look at what happens to an animal's behavior and psyche when their environment isn't enriched. Solitary confinement in prisons is a pretty good example. Don't at me about this to try to get me into a debate about the prison and penal system. Anyway, in solitary confinement, all of the prisoners' basic physical needs are met. They get access to sufficient calories and hydration. I'll link a news story about Nutriloaf in the show notes. It seems just as appetizing as it sounds. And that's delivered to them on a schedule, unrelated to when they're actually hungry, They have a place to eat and eliminate, but usually those facilities aren't what you'd call choice. But there's a reason solitary is one of the most brutal forms of punishment. Just getting your physical needs met without getting a chance to use your behavior to access those needs is stressful and crazy making. People start talking to themselves because they don't have anyone else to talk to. They start pacing because they don't have anywhere else to walk. They get aggressive in situations that might only slightly annoy other people. And captive animals in non-enriched environments experience similar things. We don't purposely house our pets in a prison-like environment, but let's think about it. All the stuff in our homes are designed to enrich us, to promote human-typical behaviors, to access our most basic physical needs. The fridge is there so we can walk to it, open it up, look inside, and choose something to eat when we're hungry. We fill our homes with couches, beds, recliners, and many other places to rest our bodies. And if we don't have these choices, we get stressed. If we have to go to the bathroom and it's not available because someone else is in there, we feel physical and mental stress because our behavior of walking to the bathroom didn't immediately get us the relief that we wanted. If our homes, which also house our pets, are only designed to enrich the humans' lives, that leaves our pets in a prison-like environment. We feed them the same kibble every day, only when we remember to put it in their bowl, which is always in the same spot. They have their water bowl available when they want to drink, but unless they have indoor-outdoor access, they can't go to the bathroom when they need to. 
We also set up our homes as environments that allow us to behave in ways that aren't purely for our survival, but rather just to have enjoyable things to do. We put art on our walls because we like looking at pretty things. We do crossword puzzles because we like challenging our minds. But when our animals are left home alone, or while their humans are otherwise engaged, our pets don't have doggy-friendly art to look at or a kitty crossword puzzle to do to pass the time. So what are they supposed to do? These unenriched environments tend to lead to what I call behavioral seepage, your pet's version of muttering, pacing, and snapping. In those lulls when they aren't otherwise engaged, your pet will seek out opportunities to express the behaviors that aren't being promoted by their environment. Usually, we don't like their choices. The dog who needs to scavenge for food scraps will raid your trash. Your cat who needs to do some nail maintenance will scratch your new leather sofa. The dog who hasn't moved his body much during the day will be more likely to chase the cat. The cat who isn't allowed on a high surface anywhere in the kitchen will get super angry when the dog walks by, since there aren't any options for him to jump up to a safer spot. These situations aren't ideal for anyone. We get stressed, the animals are already stressed, and no one's happy. So let's change that. Your goal is to make your house not only enriching for your own behavioral needs, but also for your dogs and cats. Great. So how do we make that happen? Allie Bender and Emily Strong have a pretty straightforward definition in their fantastic book, Canine Enrichment for the Real World. I'll link to that in the show notes. They say that providing enrichment for our animals involves, one, learning what our pets' needs are, and two, structuring an environment for them that allows them as much as is feasible to meet those needs. Okay, so let's break that down. Learning our pets' needs. That involves both understanding what each pet's species-typical behaviors are and observing your own pet to see what their individual typical behaviors are. I'll go over many of the species-typical behaviors of both dogs and cats in the next two episodes. But in general, all animals will need appropriate outlets for behaviors that give them access to their physical needs, like health, hygiene, nutrition, and exercise, behaviors that are instinctual, and behaviors that allow them to exert some control over their environment to choose the most desirable outcomes for them. Instinctive behaviors can be identified both based on the animal's species and breed. Our pets aren't captive wild animals, they're domesticated. And we have been selecting for different behavioral tendencies in dog breeds for hundreds of years, and cat breeds recently as well. So a Bengal cat will have different needs than a rag doll, while a border collie will be compelled to do different things than a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. Allowing our animals the freedom to safely choose how to access these needs helps us identify each individual animal's preferences. Your border collie might prefer swimming over fetch. One of your cats might like to nap in the windowsill and the other one on the couch. Your dog might love to get belly rubs in the evenings, but will retreat from any physical touch before her morning walk. Some cats prefer to play solo or with their human, and others act out if they don't have another feline playmate. So your first task is to watch your animals. Write down all the behaviors that you see them do. These should all start with ING verbs, like chasing the cat, jumping on the table, swiping at my legs from under the dining room table, zooming around after dinner, etc. For three days, just try to take these notes. Don't interfere with your animal's behavior unless they're doing something dangerous. Try to give them choice between two acceptable options instead of multiple iffy options. Take note of any misbehavior. 
we'll be using those as the basis for your enrichment plan. For three days, just try to take these notes. Don't interfere in your animal's behavior unless they're doing something dangerous. Take note of any misbehavior, quote unquote misbehavior. We will be using those as the basis for your enrichment plan. The next step is to choose one behavior that your animal does that you're always asking them to stop or redirecting them or punishing them. These misbehaviors are just behaviors that your animal needs to perform. And it's our job to provide the appropriate enrichment to channel those behaviors into contexts that work both for the animal and for us. So you'll set up the environment so your animal can't do the behavior in the way we don't want, and we'll provide options for how to perform the behaviors in ways that we accept. Let's take the dog who scavenges in the trash while you're on Zoom calls. Number one, we'd lock the trash can to prevent that from being an option. But to avoid further scavenging seepage, like your dog then digging into your flower pot, Before you get on the computer, you could put out a cardboard box with scraps of fabric or brown paper with some treats buried among the dog's safe detritus. If you really want to level up your game, you could also toss some treats into the grass after your morning walk and before those Zoom calls so he could have another way to use his nose and paws to find bits of food. Make sure to provide these activities to each of your animals separately, especially if the behaviors you're trying to bring out in each animal tend to trigger the other one's stress response. Now, you've provided your pet with the opportunity to perform the target behavior. Now you have to make sure that the enrichment is actually doing what you designed it to do. Again, watch your animal. It's not about how we think the enrichment should work, but rather how it is working. Does engaging with the enrichment bring out the target behaviors? After multiple exposures to the enrichment, does your animal choose to keep engaging with what you've provided? Does the animal continue to try doing the behavior in the undesired context? If they engage with the enrichment using the behavior you want them to do, great. Pat yourself on the back and continue to provide these opportunities for them often. If they don't interact the way you wanted or they lose interest, try something else. Enrichment isn't a one and done thing. Even you would get tired of watching the same episode of your favorite TV show every day for a year. So mix it up, provide a few options, and see which one your pet chooses. The effort to enrich your home to benefit both your dogs and cats is a creative journey for you to embark on together that will hopefully help improve your relationship with them and theirs with each other. If you want to show off your enrichment ideas and your pets engaging in all those natural behaviors, make sure to head over to the podcast's bonus content area inside the Cat and Dog Coexistence Club's community site. Comment on this episode's post with pictures, videos, questions, and requests for feedback on the changes you make in your pet's environments. You can get access to that area by going to praiseworthypets.com bonus. I look forward to seeing what you come up with. See you next week for another episode of It's Training Cats and Dogs. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this deeper dive into enrichment. This is also the theme of this month's discussions and challenges within the Cat and Dog Coexistence Club. If you want to improve the relationships between your cats and dogs, the club is the best place to be. It's a membership that provides guidance from me and the support of other cat and dog people working towards similar goals with their animals. Go to praiseworthypets.com club to learn more.